Welcome to FraserCast, the place where we discuss how our community can create a more inclusive and equitable world for people of all abilities. Our community includes individuals who have varying physical, emotional, and diverse needs, and Fraser is here to help. Today we welcome Julie McKibbins, Assistant Program Manager of Vocational Rehab and Program Development. Julie has been with Fraser for nine years and has made incredible strides with creating this program. Also with us is Hong Vong. Hong joined Fraser in 2017 as an employment coordinator and works closely with Julie to move their program forward. Welcome, Julie and Hong, and thank you for being here today. Today, we're going to discuss self-advocacy for individuals moving to work and college. So what discussions should caregivers have uh, with their children before making a big life transition, such as college graduation or moving into the workforce? You know, there's a lot of skills that are important to know at this age that some have to learn by doing safety skills. How do you navigate with yourself on transportation or just walking down the street or walking on the campus and making sure that you're able to stay safe in where you're going? Making sure that you have the skills to represent yourself and communicate what your needs are so that self-advocacy and, and being able to like get what you need and get what you want. Being able to make money transactions to purchase things, whether it's a bus card or a lunch on campus or at a job site or whatever it might be. And just really working through some of those skills, but on a just a higher adult level rather than just a youth level. So how, how do most guardians handle these transitions? And what important steps are there in sort of bringing their children along toward more freedom? You don't just say one day, open the door and kick them out. Like my parents did to me, right? Just kidding. <laughs> I, I kind of think my parents did that to me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every child um, is in their own different place. There's some people, again, that are really ready to, to go to work or go to college at the age of 18 or 19 or 20, whatever it is. And other people just need that longer runway. That longer runway could be some of the, the skill training sessions that Fraser might offer or other providers. And just really trying to see if their child can start directing their own life. Instead of mom saying, it's time to go to basketball, it's time we gotta go get in the car. Maybe it's the child saying, hey mom, I need, we need to leave in five minutes to go to basketball. And just try to shift that, uh, that conversation around so your child is independent. Maybe it's actually um, the parent standing in the background when the child is making a doctor's appointment. So actually talking on the phone, calling up, in, engaging with the nurse and asking for an appointment and making sure they're recording it then in their calendar or their planner, you know, and just really trying to make sure that they start running their own life and they're starting to advocate for their own needs while the parent slowly fades out of the, the direct care provider role and still providing them love and attention. An important part of moving into the job world and even into the academic world are interviews. So what practices, what tips do you have for caregivers and individuals about interviews? Yeah, so when we are um, introducing interview questions and how to answer those with individuals, we do start off with helping them identify adjectives that best describe them that would be good for the workplace. I also do a ton of YouTube is a great resource. I watch a lot of videos of like interviewing 101 or interviewing etiquette and what to wear to an interview and things like that with individuals. And then we really practice on 
our focus on those general basic interview questions are typically asked. So helping individuals identify what their strengths and weaknesses are, how to even answer just that first question that you typically get, which is tell me about yourself. And then going into those different scenario-based questions based on the things that they're interested in working or the field that they're interested in going into. So doing a lot of research on types of scenario questions for those jobs. One of the things that I like to teach is affirmation statements to help teach people to say, I learn best when it's a quiet environment and I have time to super focus, or I perform best in an environment where I understand the expectations and my directions are clear and concrete. Those are some of the statements where we're not disclosing a disability, we're just talking about our preferences and how we work best so that people can start to understand their idiosyncrasies or, or their, their tempo of their work pattern. So that's a great point, Julie, and it makes me think about rights, workers' rights. What do caregivers and individuals need to know or understand about the rights that they have in the workplace and, and on campus? There, there's a wonderful um, website called Job Accommodation Network. And it's actually the ADA standards for employers as well as for uh, individuals to look up their disability and then understand what are some typical accommodations that can be made for those. So what we like to do is go to that website, look at, you know, maybe we'll, we'll talk about autism or ADHD, pull up those resources for us, and then literally go through it with a highlighter and say, this is what I really would benefit from on a job or in college and then highlight it and then make an affirmation statement to declare it, to say, I really would do best if I worked in a quiet environment or had the ability to wear headphones to block out noises so I can focus. Or on campus too, you always have the access specialists that can help set up accommodations and they have, they have some pretty big restrictions with the federal government, but they're able to kind of work around that and then they also have additional support services sometimes with a, a grant, which is called the TRIO grant, where it provides that additional um, supports. Sometimes we even work with the TRIO counselor, with the access counselor, and the parent, and then try to really provide supports for that college student. Excellent resource. Do you want to repeat that website again, Julie? Yeah. Job Accommodation Networks. I think it's .gov. Well, we can all do a Google search on that one. Uh, that's wonderful. So we always benefit when we hear a story from our Frasier professionals and friends. Uh, can you tell us a story about a transition like to, um, to the job world, to the career world, work world, that's worked well, that hasn't worked well, or that can give us some insight? I would love to share a story about a, a young fellow who came to us. He was on a waiver, a, a state waiver, and he was living at home with his mom and dad, and he was just starting college. And so we, we joined him uh, in his arms worker and just trying to prepare him for college. And then we acted as a coach throughout college. And he was really intelligent. He did really well, but he needed some accountability from somebody to make sure he was getting done what he needed to get done. Fast forward, he moved into his own apartment and he is living on his own. And he finished college with a degree in technology and he's acting as, well, his role is as an IT help desk professional. He didn't think he could work from home during COVID and he's doing a fantastic job. He's actually even gotten a raise. 
And so here's where we've taken him from that youth and transition. And you fast forward about six years and here he is a, a working professional IT help desk person. That's a great story. Thank you for that. It leads me to think about our caregivers a little more. Should they be checking in and how often? And, and this is probably, the answer is probably dependent on every individual, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, to, to what degree should a caregiver be checking in with individuals, whether they're in work or on campus? With Fraser, our parents welcome to attend any meeting that they want to with us. That is an open book, right? It, it's, it's more about the comfort level of the individual that we're providing services to, uh, of whether that makes our meeting productive or not. And so with requests, we're able to send out monthly reports where it gives them a written report about what we're working on and how we're doing it. When we need support, we absolutely try to, you know, call with the person and ask mom or dad for support or coach them to text their parent to say, can we talk about this when you get home from work tonight? So we're coaching them on that side to talk to parents too, because we're trying to build their independence and we're trying to build their personal accountability. But if they really need some support and if there's something that's urgent, we try to call with them to the parents so that we can all role model together about how to have a hard conversation and making sure that everybody is doing well. For the most part, um, parents learn to trust us relatively quickly and are able to rely on those notes or drop us an email or a call or a text message and ask them, ask us for our opinion. And of course we would have to have releases signed to make sure that we could legally disclose information. Great, I'm gonna circle back to working um, of course, we all have experienced work in many different ways long before we even leave home or get a degree or whatever the case might be, and that is working as a teenager. Um, do you work with families getting young teenagers uh, in the workforce while they're in high school, for example? So we just started working more with the Priots that transition age and the transition age individuals. And so with that, we are working on just building those job skills or skills that they need for the employment world. And um, I'm actually working with an individual right now who I am doing just some skill development with for the workplace. And then we'll be looking for a summer job when they're off of school. So it kind of depends on where this individual is at and what they're looking for. But yes, we do help with helping them with obtaining jobs for the summer or longer term too, if they are needing or wanting that. So I'd love to tell you a story, David. So there was this young fellow who had no work experience, right? And yep. he, um, his chronological age did not match his maturity age, but we were able to support him by going through a job interview because he got hired at a local grocery store. We went through the um, orientation with him and as a job coach, I was as anxious as could be because it, he was not grasping some of the concepts. <laughs> and so we just really, um, he got through the orientation. The employer was absolutely fantastic. We were able to work with the supervisor and work with him hands over hand, teaching him how to bag groceries. We could work on the side, you know, like 
not even on his shift, we could take a grocery bag with some stock items and really talk about how to load that bag up and really provide him some direct hands-on job coaching with the employer. And then also on the side as well to make sure he understood like the expectations and wearing a hairnet or the shoes or whatever it might be. So uh, he has now been working at that grocery store for over three years. Uh, that's great. That's a great story. And you raise a very important point, Julie, and that's the role of the employer. It strikes me that not every employer, for a variety of reasons, is really built to do this well. Maybe I'm wrong. How valuable, how important is, is it for you, or caregivers, to communicate with the employer? What does Fraser do to help this work? You know, relationships are everything, right? It, it's really about how you communicate with each other and the relationships. And as a job coach, our responsibility is loyalty to our person that we're serving, but it's also to that employer making that balance about how do we get each other's needs met, right? So for example, there's a, there's a large institution here in town that hires us just as a job coach for their professional working people. And so I got to be really clear about what my boundary is and what I can cannot do because that employer is still their employer. I don't have a responsibility to them as much as I have to teaching my person some skills to work better in that environment. And so really just trying to help people figure out where are you at, what support needs do you need, what communication do we need. Our worst case scenario is they're doing great, they're doing great, they're doing great, they're fired when we don't understand why they were fired, you know, so really making sure that that communication is really good so that we keep working on the skills all the way along. And then we build them up for the next job or the next um, career laddering step. Great. Excellent. Yeah. I think that the relationships are really important when we are job coaching individuals, building those relationships as a job coach with the employer really helps the employer feel more comfortable and feel that they can come trust us with any concerns that they may have with individuals. And so if there is something that is going on with an individual, they know maybe what day we're going to be there and they can come up to us and say, hey, this person is having a hard time with this. And so then we can really work with the employer and the individual to improve those um, concerns that may come up. Well, thank you, uh, Julie, and thank you, Hong. You two are amazing. Frazier's amazing. We're delighted to have you back on FraserCast. For anyone listening, wanting more information, please go to Frazier.org, www.f-r-a-s-e-r.org for more information on this and so many under, other wonderful programs and offerings that Frazier has. Thank you all for tuning in to FraserCast, and we'll see you next time.